Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I'm Lynette. And I'm Sean. Today we're going to talk about how open adoptions can look different in different families. Something we've talked about before is how every adoption story is different, which is true. We've summarized two of our kids' adoption stories so far in previous episodes, and you've probably seen how different these stories can play out. These relationships look different, which makes sense because no two relationships are really the same. People are all so different and unique, and every adoption family culture is different too. Today we're talking to Crystal. She is an adoptive mom, and she's a foster mom. She says, our family is a sports family all the way. Tennis, soccer, football, basketball, and baseball. Most nights were overbooked, but we love it. Crystal and her husband both work at a university, and when she has time, Crystal says she enjoys reading and crocheting. She says, our kids are amazing, and so are their birth parents, who you might find at some of their sporting events. Crystal and her husband have fostered many children over the years, and she shares her perspectives on foster care and the joy that she finds in reunifying families in crisis. We hope that you enjoy hearing about Crystal's family and what adoption and foster care look like for them. All right, so we are here with Crystal. We're so excited to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself first off? Uh, My name is Crystal. I have four kids. My husband and I have four kids, ages from 8 to 19. We've been married for 23 years. We love to play. We love to... My husband loves to do yard work. I don't like to do yard work. I like to decorate. I like to ride bikes with my kids. We're a very busy family. We do a lot of, we're, we're a big sports family. Sports and music. Well, I try to push the music, but sometimes it doesn't come through. But <laughs> um, yeah, our days are filled with, with kids' activities and things like that. So we're going to start off by having you share some of your adoption story. Um, like I said, we have four kids. We got married we were both graduated from college, just kind of moving along with life. And like three weeks after we got married, I'm like, let's just have a baby. You know, we're old enough. We're graduated. Let's not wait. Let's just have a baby. And and surprisingly, we got pregnant right off the bat um, really quick. And things were going pretty well until the third month. And I had a miscarriage and... The doctor was just like, you're fine, just just wait a little bit and try again. This happens, this is very normal. Um, but it never happened again. And so, um, and I was getting kind of anxious even though, you know, it's not like it was years and years and years, but I was getting kind of anxious. <laughs> um, and so I went into the adoption, adoption agency and picked up papers. We started the process and, you know, the process... I was still going to doctor appointments and all this kind of stuff. And so we'd do a little bit on the papers and we'd put them down and do a little bit more. Anyway, the story is, is that one night I just said, we're getting these papers in and we're not going to bed until they are done tonight and I'm turning them in tomorrow. And this was a Thursday night. So we did, we stayed up all night. We got them done and I took them in Friday and um, it was pretty miraculous how it happened after that because once they got in and all the reference letters and things were done we got a call two weeks later told they brought us in and they said that we'd been selected 
anyway, it was, it was a, it was really magical because, you know, you hear these people waiting long, all these years, all these years. And when people ask us that, I kind of feel bad sometimes, but we waited four years because that's how long it took us to get our act together. And that's how long God was preparing everything and putting everything into place. And then, and then it happened and she was actually born a week and a half later. So it was pretty darn quick in the beginning. The background to that is that, you know, even the birth mother was just like, I went through so many profiles and I just could not find you. And as soon as yours got put in, and she said, I took a break because I didn't want to look at any more. Told them I was going to take a break and I'll come back and look at more profiles. During that two-week period, we got our stuff in and she saw us and she said, that's them. So we talk very openly about our kids and their adoption and, and it's our norm. You know, people will ask, their friends will ask them funny questions and, you know, like, who's your real mom? You know, the, the regular question and and they'll be like, I live with her. And, but but that's our normal. And that's, I think, probably something that people need to understand a little bit more is that when you're, I mean, you've grown up that way. That's our normal. So that was pretty neat. And we, we actually chose back in the day, 20 years ago, an open adoption was a letter and a picture once a year. But we had, we had started emailing um, more frequently rather than, you know, just once a year. So we had a real, we maintained a really nice relationship with the birth mother, and we'd met the birth father one time, um, and that was at placement, and he went on his way. But actually, three years ago, he came and found us, and so we have a great relationship with him now too, which is kind of cool. But we never knew anything about him; we knew his first name, and that's it. So, so really quick question: yeah. so with the birth mother, you had more of an email relationship, and then. Did that evolve or did it pretty much stay like that? Well, it was supposed to end, but then I was like, you know, if you want to continue, we would love to continue. She was was like, oh my gosh, that's what I want. So we've actually maintained, we still have contact today. In fact, we see a lot more of birth father now, which is kind of, it was really kind of neat because when he, he actually found me on Facebook, he messaged me and he said, you know, he was very careful and he said, I'm not trying to butt in. I'm not trying to disrupt your life. I just didn't want Ellie to um, feel like um, my absence means I don't care. And I just wanted you to know if you ever need anything that I'm here. And my response was, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you reached out. We never knew your last name. It's so great to hear from you. Where are you living? And his response was kind of shock. He was like, Oh my goodness, you're so nice. I was not expecting this. <laughs> it was kind of funny. And then we kind of, you know, I shared it with my husband and I shared it with um, my our daughter and I asked her if it was okay if we invited him over. At first she was like, I don't, yeah, that's fine. That's, I don't care. It's fine. And he was actually living in Alaska at the time, but weirdly, when we were messaging, he was visiting his mom in our town. Like, like a couple blocks. I didn't know his mom, but it was, I mean, really close. I'm like, you're not going to believe this, but I probably drive past your mom's house like every day. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. And she he said, I said, why don't you come over? And he's like, wait, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, come over and we'll just, it was summer. It was really hot. And I'm like, just come over like at eight and we'll just have lemonade out on the patio and we'll chat. And 
He said, that's great. He's like, you know, my wife would really like to meet you guys. Is that okay if I bring her? I said, sure, bring everyone. And he was like, wait, really? <laughs> I said, sure. I mean, if you're comfortable with your kids, bringing your kids, absolutely. So they came and um, so he knocked on the door and, and I opened the door and she was behind me and he came in and I gave him a hug. And then he kind of peeked around me and looked at her and just, tears started coming down his face. It was really cute. And he just enveloped her in a huge bear hug. <laughs> so it kind of surprised her. But it's kind of interesting because, um, you know, she's my oldest. And like I said, open adoption has just changed. And so my younger ones, they come over all the time. They're just friends, you know, whatever. So hers is just a little bit different. You know, she's she played on the high school tennis team and he came to a few of her matches, and and uh, and he has since moved from Alaska to here. But the interesting thing was, is his mom came up behind him, and you know, and his family came in and introduced everybody, and and his mom came in and said, "I'm Grandma," and you know, I said hi, and and um, and then I kind of pushed everybody out to the back. I held him in <laughs> in. in. And I said, you know, just because it's been so long, I just want you to, I just want to explain a little bit of how we do adoption in our house and everyone's different, but just so everyone's on the same page. I said, you know, we love our birth parents and we are so grateful to them. We don't refer to birth grandma or birth aunt. You are birth father's mom. And it's your family culture. Yeah, it's our family culture. Well said. I like that family culture. So, um, and so that's been really neat to, to, to bring it full circle. And, you know, interestingly enough, and those of you that are listening, um, some of the things that make my daughter uncomfortable, and she's 19, I mean, she's an adult, but um, is she couldn't put it into words. And I, was, I would kind of watch her. And, I, and so I, I actually helped her put it into words. And I said, you know, he has not been a thought your whole life to you. But he's thought about you for 19 years. And, you know, because, I mean, he, he loves to send gifts and he sends her beautiful things. And, and sometimes she's very taken back by him by, why does he do so much for me? And, you know, and I said, you know, this is new to him. This is our normal, but that's, it's not his normal, mm-hmm. you know. And so he's trying to figure things out too. And, and you know, it's gotten, it's gotten much more comfortable between them um as time has gone by and we've gotten to know him a little bit better and and I, and that he's gotten to know us you know so she was speaking in church and we invited him and he's like are you sure that's okay i do not want to make her uncomfortable and i said yeah she's fine with it so she he came and brought his kids and and it was great so how long has that relationship been um it's probably been about well it's probably been about a little over two years so right now, she's closer to her birth father than birth mother. She hasn't seen her birth mother since she was five. Okay. So, and that's kind of one of those things where if they're all adopted, you have different relationships with them all. Yes, you know? and that's got to be complicated. Yeah. We'll and talk about that. We were kind of worried about that, actually, because um, we, we had our first three um, when, when our first daughter was four. Four, two, and zero is when they all came, and um, um, 
and we our our relationship was different with the with the younger ones. And you know, we didn't know them. We didn't know that we would be best friends with them like we are now. I mean, they are yeah. like that we are very close. I mean, we vacation we've gone on vacations together and and it's never like it's never weird. It's not it's not a weird thing. Like other people from the outside go, "Oh my goodness, was that so weird?" Nope, it was just two two families and her friends going together and so that was it. That was really special. She she came really fast, got us started on our adopt, adoption journey and you know at that point it was still new to us it wasn't our norm yet right so I was still going to the doctor and still doing all this stuff and um and we we had papers that we were starting again for a second one when when our daughter was two and it was interesting um all of our adoptions were the most spiritual experiences I've ever been through. I mean, just, it was like God told me to do certain things at certain moments, and I listened, and I did them, and miracles happened, right? And um, one day we were at church, and I had been talking to somebody, and I happened to be giving the lesson. A lady came up to me after that I had never seen before, and she was somebody's mother-in-law staying with kids or something and I haven't even seen her since church was over and I was hurrying out because I was going to a family gathering and um she said I just really want to tell you something and I said okay she said can you sit down and I'm like okay you know so I sat down and she said you know my friend was telling me about a dream she had the other day and I really need to tell you and she said God in heaven said i need moms who will take care of other people's children who can't and she said her friend said that she saw her raise her hand and oh my goodness when she was telling the story it just hit me at my heart so hard i just about fell over in my chair and this was someone you didn't know never never and i've never even seen her since in fact if i did see her i'd go give her a hug and say wow you changed my life and because we were just getting ready to head to LA to a special IVF doctor because IV, normal IVF wasn't going to work. It had to be a different kind of whatever. I call it the celebrity doctor because <laughs> anyway, and we were just getting ready to do that. And um, I came out and I, and I told my husband, I'm like, honey, we're not supposed to go. We're supposed to put our adoption papers and apply for adoption again. And I told him the story and same thing happened again. It just knocked him out and we're just sitting there crying going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And so we got our papers again and it kind of happened not the same way, but this one was two months and birth mother snagged us and, and we have a great relationship with, with her as well. Um, they visit, we visit a couple times a year, um, and we'll even call. Like if I have a medical question or something, I've called her before and said, "Has this ever happened?" She'll be, "Oh yeah, yeah. Try have the doctor check this or that." And and um, and she's married and has five kids and doing great herself. You know, they they get on with their lives and and there's closure. By I feel like there's closure for them because they know. Like my son is a really good athlete at the high school and 
I'll send him videos. I'll, t- I'll we'll be at a game, and I'm like, oh my gosh, just look at this play, and I'll just send her little clips, and and it'll, it's fun. So we had the two, and we thought, okay, are we done? Or, you know, every little thing, and then um, and then I woke up again one day and said, it's time. My husband's like, whatever you say, you've been right the first two times. Let's just do it. And so we applied for adoption again. And this time I really, I, 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 this was, this might, I don't know how this might sound, but this is how it happened. I really knew that this, this third child, I really knew that she was a girl. I, I felt like she was black. And so I was, I was calling up all these agencies and, and you know, at the time my husband and I were, um, the adoption board chairs. And so other agencies knew who we were. And so we even had other agencies calling us saying, Hey, this baby was born at this time, blah, 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 blah. And none of them were like, this is your baby. I always made sure I felt, I knew what I felt and I couldn't, I was like, why are the, you know? there's all these babies out there and like there's somebody else's baby. And, and, and that's, that's a tribute to itself is that God has a hand in all of this. You know, I, he gets his children to, to where they need to be. I truly, truly believe that. So one day it had been three months, which is the longest we'd ever waited and the agency said every three months, make an appointment and come in so we can make sure you're, files updated and and this is all pre-computer stuff we didn't have a a a profile online this was all putting our files together with the file folders and stuff anyway so we went in and our caseworker met with us and said well what did you guys want to talk about today and I said well we're just here for our three-month update and making sure everything's good and he was like, well, your birth mother's in the room right next door waiting, waiting for you, waiting to meet you. And I was like, what? And she said, the birth mother's white and the birth father's black and, I, and it's a little girl. And I was like, and my hands just went to my face and I was like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> this is it. Anyway, so it was shocking because we had no idea. We just thought we were going in. So we went in and met her and it was just, you know, in all three cases, instant love. You know, you get, you're so nervous. I think with my first daughter, I changed my outfits and ironed everything in my closet, you know, a hundred times before we went to go meet her. And as soon as we walked in, it's just a big hug, you know. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so then the third one came and we've just, and that's the one where her mom, the birth mother's mother was with her as well. And they are just the most outgoing, friendly, talkative people you can find. But it it ended up just a beautiful story, you know, and to this day. I mean, she's, um, she is almost 15 now and we're still tight as ever and really, really close and just a, a beautiful girl. We decided to foster to adopt and um 
he was, uh, I knew it was this. So this is six years later, even. And he was um, um, a safe haven baby. So he, we were, we had two foster kids, a three and four year old little brothers. And we had them for about nine months, but, um, and they're doing awesome. That's a whole nother branch I can take. But um, we got a call and, and our, our caseworker knew I was after uh, adopting a little baby boy. And um, we got a call the day after Christmas. It said, there's a baby born, little boy, come and get him. No one really knows what to do with them because safe haven is not a normal not a regular occurrence right and it was pretty it was a very cool experience I got to give him his first bath I got to give him his bottles and you know I got to have I got to have that hospital experience without excuse me having a hospital experience so so we don't know anything about him we did do his DNA and so we know a little bit about what he's made of but he's just and all of our birth mothers and our parents are so good to all of our kids. Like if you put them all in a room, you wouldn't know which one went to which one because they're just so good to them. I love that. Yeah. And that's big. And that that has a huge impact on the kind of relationship we have with them. Yes. Because if one, you know, forget it, you know, our kids are, this is their normal, this is their family, and they all need to feel important. And especially with my youngest who doesn't have birth parents that we know um they they you know they all get calls on their birthdays from all all of them and so it's it's really cool that's awesome yeah wow so was the safe haven law pretty new at that point when um it wasn't new there had not been a safe haven baby in 25 years and so he was in the NICU for a week because all they all they knew is that birth mother brought him in at 6.30 in the morning with the umbilical cord still attached. So they had cut the cord at home with scissors or something. So they were worried he was going to bleed to death and all that stuff. But And, you know, they checked him for everything, and he was perfect. He was full term. He was, you know, not sick. But he did have a little infection because of the way the umbilical cord was, was cut. But otherwise, totally healthy kid. You know, you can drop a baby off at a fire department, a police station, a church, or the hospital with no questions asked, and that's exactly what happened. She walked in, and, you know, he was wrapped in a blanket, and that's it. And I even called the hospital. I'm like, so where's the blanket? You know, I want something to show him to say, your birth mother really loved you. She had you wrapped in this and everything, and... And no one knows. It's like a mystery. No one knows what happened to anything. And I'm like, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. That would be great to have. It really would. I, You know, just something. Yeah. But at, at the same time, you know, I'm not, I'm not actively seeking his birth parents because we don't know what kind of situation. And it might have been, it might have been an abusive situation. It could make it a big mess. So I'm not, we're not actively seeking anything, but, um. And if he wants to, when he's 18, he can do what he wants. And I will be in full support because I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty curious. <laughs> but, but if you're out there, he's super safe and an awesome kid. All right. So you have yes. so many different experiences. 
So how would you advise somebody who's wondering which route they should take? If they should look at an agency, private adoption, foster to adopt, trying to figure out what route is right for their family, what would you suggest? I'm a big advocate for foster to adopt. And, you know, we've been in the foster care system now for seven years. And the reason why is, you know, we went in so that we could adopt a baby and we had these two little boys. Our youngest came six months into the nine month stint of these other little boys. So we had three foster kids at the same time, our three kids. So we had six kids, (laughs) um, um, really quick. And then they went home to their mom who, I am, we are still very good friends with. We've built a great relationship and it's a beautiful thing. And, and we're like, well, do we renew our license for foster care? And my husband and I kind of looked at each other and we were both like, that was so beautiful and such a great experience helping put a family back together. And to this day, I mean, they're 13 and 14 now and doing, doing well their mom and I, we text a lot and, and I actually text them. Everyone's doing great. And so with that, we just thought, you know, that was a really cool experience to help put a family back together. Let's, let's do it again, you know? And so we've, we've had about 30 kids in and out of our house. I remember two in particular, they were a little brother and sister and they were so cute. And I really, I just loved them. They were adorable but um, we got a call that said, could you take these kids? The foster family that has them is uh, is adopting them, but their house flooded. And, you know, because of rules and legal issues, they can't take them to a hotel with them. Can you keep them for a couple days and then I'll come back and get them? Well, the couple days happened and the caseworker called and the the couple backed out. It It was sad, but so... I think they just were trying to do the right thing and keep them, but it wasn't really right. And when they were taken for two days, just gave them a break and made them realize that it wasn't right. We can't do this, you know? So I don't fault them at all. I really do not fault them at all. It's just, it was just a tough situation all around. And so then they said, you know, if you want to adopt them, they're yours. I mean, it was like a split second, make a decision. And I was like, are you, what? You know? (laughs) And so with with our family dynamic, it just wasn't really going to work. And, and these sweet kids were just, it broke my heart. I bawled my eyes out when they walked out the door and the caseworker came and picked them up. But I always worried about them and I always was hoping they, they made it somewhere really good. And I was happened to be at the foster care office like a couple months. And it would have been a few months later. They were there with their new family so happy, so beautiful. It was, it, it did such good things to my heart to see that that I had made the right decision and they made it to the right place. So that was really cool. And I just really feel like that was like a tender mercy from God. So that was really neat to see. If I can share a particular story that's happened over the last five years, my little boy was, was two and, um, or turning, he was turning two. And we were really ready to just, I mean, we were, we, I was good. We're done. Four kids is good. But we decided to stay in foster care and just do um, crisis and respite, which means they can call us at 11 o'clock at night and bring us kids for a couple days 
until they find a sec- secure placement. But we, we didn't want to be in the adoption pool anymore. And so they brought us this little girl. She was 18 months old. She was, she was very traumatized. And um, it was every time my husband would walk in from work, she would dive under the kitchen table and cover her eyes. And I was just like, what has this child been through, right? I, it was, and the only person she would go to was my biracial daughter. She just, she just, she was carried her around. And she was only eight or nine. She just carried her around all the time. And then second in line was me. No one else was allowed to come near her. She was very, she, and she, she had this whine with her all the time. She was always whining. But, you know, if I wrapped her up and held her tight, she, she did pretty well. And um, so we had her for about three weeks. She was darling. Anyway, um, week before Christmas, we get a call. She's back in care. Can she come? I, I said, absolutely. So we had her for Christmas, and then she left around New Year's. So we only had her for about a week. And because they had found, because I told her, I said, we will keep her and we will adopt her if you want to leave her. And they said, well, you know, kinship is always first. And so they said, well, there's another family that has already adopted her cousin and half brother. So we're going to place her there. So I said, okay. So she went there. And apparently, I I don't know the specifics of what happened, but she did not do well there. I, I just, I don't know what happened. But they called us up and said, can we bring her back to you? you know, just for a little bit until we find a spot. And I said, just leave her. You don't need to find another spot. She's fine. This is her third time here. Leave her. And they're like, okay, good. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) So she stayed with us for another year. And during that year, you know, we had visits just with dad. And, you know, we really got to know the dad. And he adored her. We'd have meetings at the park and they'd have visits and and things were going well, and he was doing well. And I knew where his heart was, and, and he trusted us. And we really tried to help. In fact, um, I said, you've got, the, I said, the judge gave you three weeks to get an apartment. What are you doing? Get an apartment. And, and so I sent him a list of things, and he found one, and he had nothing. And so I, I put out on Facebook, hey, friends, if you're getting rid of stuff, in a day, we had two beds, a dresser, a ta- kitchen table. I mean, you name it, we had it. Awesome. And so we loaded it. We fur- got his apartment furnished. I mean, hats off to all my friends. Wonderful people. That lasted um, not super long. It, it was about six or seven months. And he just was struggling. And, you know, and she still, she still was with us a lot, even though she was technically back with her dad. And so, and we tried to help because he worked a lot of swing shifts and stuff. And I said, you know, she's fine. She can sleep over. So she was kind of half at our house, half with him. And, and it was fine until things kind of blew up in August. DCFS was called and she got taken again and brought to us. The poor kid just had, I mean, I can't even imagine what was going through her head. But it got really tough and it got really tough on my kids. So I called our caseworker and I said, I really need... I really need a break. You know, my kids need a break. I need I need another family for her to go to. And if I can, I would love to help select one because I know her and I love her and I want the best for her. So uh, my caseworker was like, you know what? I know just the family. 
And so I took her over and we met him and we super wonderful, wonderful family. In fact, we're like great friends. We go out to dinner with them. We're, so she was with them for um, a year. Then when they actually came to us and said, you know, we love her, but she's bonded to you. And, you know, she keeps asking when can she go home. Because she was still visiting us. We just didn't want her to have all these people in her life leave. So she'd have visits with us now and dad. And anyway, and where I'm like, I we understand. It's So then we took, so then after a year, we took her back for another year or another 10 months. And then um, grandma actually um, has her now. And it is, it's a, it's a, that was another miracle, you know. My kids were, my kids were getting tired and, um, and they loved her too, but she just took all my time and energy and, and patience really that I had nothing left for my kids. And that again was another big balance. And I was just trying to do the right thing. You know, I was trying to be that person doing the right thing and finally realized we can't. And it's just, it's beautiful. I'm good friends with grandma. I'm good friends with the dad, you know, and she comes and visits us. She lives with grandma and visits dad. So yeah, and still calls me mom, you know, and, and grandma doesn't live very far from us. So it's, it really was one of those God's hands, you know, I, cause I prayed a lot during, (laughs) during that time. What am I supposed to do here so that everyone's happy? So there, there are some beautiful, beautiful things to come out of foster care. And and honestly, you know, you just got to open those doors and don't be afraid to open them. And if you open them and it's not right, it's okay. So That's beautiful advice. Um, do you have any other advice for any of our listeners who are considering becoming foster parents based on your experiences? They have this image of foster kids, right? messed up kids, gone through so much. They did not ask for this, right? You cannot put a label of foster child on kids, especially if it's negative. It is scary. I understand. It it took, I was, I was much more ready because I had talked to a friend who had done foster care and she's like, I'm like, well, how was it working with the parents? And she said, you know, you just find yourself cheering them on. You know, it's not like, on television and the movies where the birth parents are irate and crazy. That's not how it is. They love their children just like we love our children, you know, and they want the best for their children. Sometimes choices are not the greatest because of certain situations, but they love their children. And, um, you know, that's how, that's how it was. In fact, those first two little boys I talked about earlier who we had for nine months, we went to our final court day and we knew the case was being closed and we knew they were going home and it was a day of celebration, right? We were, we, I had a big gift for them and we were going to go to lunch after and, and celebrate. And the judge just kind of looked at us, at her, at the mother and us. And she just dropped her pencil and said, tell me what's going on here. I have never seen this before. You guys are best friends. I mean, Look how far you've come. I mean, this mother was, she was on the worst drugs you could get. And now she's this woman who was just 
a different person. But one thing that the mother said, I walked in with the boys and she stood up and ran to me and hugged me and she said, thank you for taking care of my boys. And um, she told the judge, she said, I never saw any judgment on her face. And that made all the difference. And so I'm grateful I didn't have judgment on my face because I didn't. I knew how much she loved her, her boys. And um, just you just start advocating for the parents. And they will work. They, will, they need somebody on their side and in their corner. Maintain that relationship because these kids do not need people taken out of their lives. What did you do to nurture relationships with expectant parents between the time you were matched and baby's arrival? Well, you know, our first one, we wrote letters. And we'd take them to the agency, and they'd fax them to her, and then and then they would then they would send the hard copy in the mail. So that was twenty years ago. Um, but you know, at placement with my first one, um, she was very sweet and she was very mature. You know, this was our first time. We were like, we don't really know what we're doing, and neither did she. It was her first time too, but. She didn't want to cry. She wanted it to be a happy moment for us. And she really held it together. I mean, I was in shock. And she came into the room and the f- she came straight to me with our daughter and placed her in my arms and said, she's always been yours. I was so impressed by her because she was, she was just concerned for me. And I was concerned for her. And I was just, I was astounded. I'm like, you are a beautiful soul. But, um, and we stayed as long as we could, you know, it was hard to say goodbye. And at the moment, my husband was holding her and the birth mother walked over to her and gave her a kiss on the head and said, be good and turned around and walked out of the room. And I absolutely fell apart at that moment. I could not even stop my tears from, I was just sobbing because I knew she was sobbing on the other side of the door. You know, that just about killed me. And so we just, we took a ton of pictures and we um, wrote lots of letters. And you know, that I would say that that relationship is nurtured, but in a different way than my others. We don't hang out with her. We don't do a lot of things with her like, like we do with the others, but she's busy. We've just kind of kept it normal. And, you know, if there's a question that comes up or I'll check in every once in a while, how are things going? How are the kids? And because she ended up getting married very soon after and she had a baby with, with, within the first year of her marriage, you know, she got busy. She's, you know, as a mom and wife right off the bat. And, and like I said, things were a little bit different, but I would put their favorite things like, like one year I put a basket together with Barbie band-aids and goldfish crackers and, you know, all the things that, that she loved and send them on her birthday. I would send it to the birth mother on her birthday. So those were always just fun things. If there's a big game coming up or a big event, they're always invited. They've been to my children's baptisms. Um, and each other's like, um, like if it's not their birth mother, they still come, you know, (laughs) it's, 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 we've created, we've created our culture in a way that, um, really works beautifully. All right. So what are some of the challenges and blessings that accompany being an adoptive mom? 
You know, that is interesting. And this is a good, I'm glad you asked that question because as my kids are teenagers, you know, you get slapped in the face a couple of times with what that just happened. <laughs> the nature versus nurture thing is kind of interesting because it comes out, it comes out and, and you just kind of look at them like, what, <laughs> what is going on? So you have to, and I say that as an adoptive mom, but you moms that have given birth, I think it's the same thing as each one of our kids are different. You know, they just, they just come different. And so that is one thing that, that, you know, with some things, you know, you, you, you want to focus on the good, right? And you want to, but you also have to accept, okay, this is, this is a little bit different. This is, let's take a closer look and see what's really happening is probably the most like me of all my kids. We have the same personality when people meet us or even like my high school friends will meet her or my high school, my high school friends, parents will meet her and they'll be like, Oh, you're Crystal's daughter. You know, it's, it's, that's fun and cute to hear, but it's probably because her birth mother's personality matches mine. You know, it's, um, so those kind of things come out and you just have to, you just, it's interesting. You have to be accepting and realize, guess what? It's not all nurtured just because you had them from birth. There's a lot in there. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I just, I would just say, just recognize and validate that, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just take something away that they're born with. Yeah. So there is a lot, a lot that they're born with. There's that nightmare, that, that reoccurring thought or nightmare of I wonder when my kid's gonna say you're not my real mom you know my kid my first three they've never said that to me and they don't believe it yeah they they've and it's interesting because I I always thought you know maybe um, meeting their birth parents would trigger that and they would be more but I think by having a relationship with their birth parents that's closed that off. Yeah. And they're just more confident kids. Interestingly enough, a few months ago, my eight-year-old said it to me for the first time. And he, we, had, we know nothing about his birth parents. Yeah. And so I realized right then that, you know what, there's a part of him that, that he, unconsciously even, that he worries about. And he notices, you know... My youngest sees that that's not his normal, right? He doesn't, we don't know. And so, um, so I do tell him the story. I tell him the, your birth mother loved you so much that she wanted to keep you safe. And she took you to the hospital and handed you to the nurse and said, call his mom and dad. And they called us, you know, so that's, that's his story. And that's his story that he knows. But I realized at that moment when he said, when he got mad at me for something, he's like, you're not even my real mom. I was stunned first because I'd never heard that. But then after I realized, you know, he's noticing things. I, I've had to validate that feeling yeah. in him. That's really hard. Yeah. How might adoptees' feelings about their stories change over time particularly as they move toward adulthood and how can adoptive parents support and help them in this process? That's a really good question. 
You know, and it's interesting because um, in my family, it's a, a boy-girl thing. My oldest daughter, I had come from, she was five, and I had come home from an adoption um, conference that I had actually presented at. And I brought her home this necklace that said adoption is about love or something. And, and I gave it to her and, and, and she, we were in church the next day and she had it on. And all of a sudden she grabbed it, ripped it off her neck and threw it at me. She said, I don't want to be adopted anymore. She was saying, quit calling me adopted. You know, I want to be a normal kid. And now she's 19 and she spreads the word like, you know, and that started happening in, in, at 15, you know, when, when topics in school would even come up. Um, she'd raise her hand and she'd be like, I'm adopted. I feel normal. I'm, everything's good here, you know. And so she kind of has come full circle. But I, I you know, I wasn't listening when she was little. And I didn't realize I wasn't listening and until that day and so I quit I kept my mouth shut I didn't you know because it was it is such a powerful uh, moment in my life and I learned so much that I just love to share it and share it from the rooftops right and she was not appreciating it she just wanted to be normal kid yeah what do you wish that other people understood about adoption it's not giving up right I mean we hear that all the time giving up your baby or giving it and it just when I hear that I just cringe, because these birth mothers are and fathers are beautiful, beautiful people. You know the the other thing I hear a lot is my husband just he just can't love some a baby that's not his. And I'm like, well then they're missing out because they're missing your kid, because there is no difference between whether they came from you or not. You know, um, and that it's our normal. It's not something it's not something that people need to say, "Oh, is that weird?" No. Like someone said, you know, I introduced uh, my daughter's birth father to people. They're like, "Oh my gosh, is that weird?" Nope, it's just our normal. <laughs> so our experiences are who we are. I liked your question about what would you tell yourself at the beginning of your adoption journey because you just learn so much constantly right and there's still things I'm learning there's so much good and love to be in the world and the more people that love a child the better off they will be I love that it's a great note to end on thank you so much Crystal Thank you for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. We're grateful to Crystal for sharing her story, and we're so glad that we could learn more about her family's experience. We'll be back with another episode next week, where we'll be picking back up with sharing a bit of our own family's adoption story. As always, please feel free to reach out with any questions or requests for future episodes. We're recording some more interviews with all members of the Adoption Triad and would love to include your questions. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, we would love if you could jump onto Apple Podcasts and give us a quick review. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.